Hi, I'm Trudy Morgan Cole, and you're listening to another episode of Shelf Esteem, the podcast. We're back with our January episode, where once again I talk to interesting people about the books that they find interesting. My guests this episode are Olivia Robinson, a writer and avid reader, originally from Nova Scotia, now here in St. John's, and Elizabeth Hicks, a writer, reader, and also an actor, originally from Carboneer, and now also making her home in St. John's. And for the very first podcast of 2020, I didn't do anything out of the ordinary. I started off the same way I always do, asking people what they've been reading lately that's left a big impression on them. And Olivia was ready to start us off with an answer. Um, I've been like on a strange kick lately of reading um, books about houses, like that are set in, like where the house is actually like a character. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't know why that has happened, but um, so I read uh, The Dutch House by Anne Patchett, which mm-hmm. just came out recently, I think. Um, and it kind of covers 50 years of um, the lives of this brother and sister who kind of live in the house and then. Um, end up no longer living in the house but it still like plays a big role in Mm -hmm. their lives Um, and then I also I think around Halloween um, read The Haunting of Hill House and We've Always Lived in the Castle by Sherry Jackson um, which I didn't really think I would like because I'm not really a horror fan but I'm like "Uh, I just kind of want to try these they were like on sale somewhere and um, you live in a spooky old house, so yeah, you got to exactly. take your chances on books like that. <laughs> yeah. You might not be able to sleep. <laughs> yeah. But I was surprised at how, like, not scary yeah. they were. I don't know. Something about Shirley Jackson's writing kind of made it a bit more, like, atmospheric uh-huh. than, like, horror. Yeah. So I ended up really enjoying them. Mm-hmm. I have ne- never read either of those, even though, you know, I've, I've heard of them for years, but I've never, and probably because I, I have a really low tolerance for scary things. Yeah, like, like they weren't, they, they didn't weren't freak me out at all, no. That's so interesting, though, as a subgenre, books about houses or books centered around houses. I know, yeah. Yeah, because when you said it, I immediately thought of two. One, I think it was Bonnie Berard, A Good House, yes. which yeah, which was an award like winner Gilmore, yeah, a few yeah. years ago. And then there's an Ann Tyler book, which I'm blanking on the name of, but it was one of her more recent ones, and it is all set around this, this family house over like several decades. So, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting way, it's an interesting idea for how to structure a story. Yeah. When you said that, it reminded me of, I don't know if you remember this, Olivia and I were in uh, one of Lisa Moore's fiction writing classes. Uh-huh. It was like two years ago now, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, but one of our classmates started a novella uh, about, it was almost like um, personifying different parts of a house. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. I think that was Michelle Porter. Oh, it was. I think. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That was really neat. Yeah, it's a neat. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I, nothing else came to my mind when you said that, though. But yeah. I am. I'm interested. Yeah, in that. I want to read The Haunting of Hill House because of that TV show everyone's talking about <laughs> <Yes>. it. So. <laughs> yeah, that kind of brought it back to everyone's consciousness. Mm-hmm. I think was yeah. the, the TV adaptation. I think the TV show would be too scary for yeah. me, but the novel was okay. <laughs> I managed that. Yeah. Anything else that's uh, that's really stood out to you lately, or? How about you, Elizabeth? Um, my the thing that I read most recently was um, the script for Fleabag. 
Oh, uh, wow. Phoebe cool. Waller-Bridge. Yeah. I haven't seen the TV show because I don't have Amazon Prime. Oh, but no. if someone wants to give me their password. Yeah, Yeah, but I... Uh, I bought the the script from her mm-hmm. uh, original Fringe show, oh, wow. and uh, it was a great read. But it's the, the sort of thing where you just know that it comes to life when she performs it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they have somebody else doing that role. I think, like in the West End or somewhere okay. in London right now. But uh-huh. anyway, that, the, I, this is a fiction podcast. Right? No, that's okay. It's a book. Okay. It's a, any anything you've read. Reading book, that's in fine. general. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Reading in general is good. Uh, and the other two books that I read most recently were Meg Cole's Small Game Hunting at oh, the local yeah. Coward Gun Club, mm-hmm. uh, which was great, obviously. And I also read Michael Crummy's The Innocents recently. Um, yeah. Those are good things to read as Newfoundlanders, <laughs> but yeah. uh, obviously really excellent novels uh, in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I read them both because mm-hmm. they were the two Newfoundlanders on the... Well, I read I read Megan's book anyway. Yes. Uh, and then I was like, I know I'm going to read Michael Crummy's book eventually, so probably should read it before the Giller Awards yeah, to yeah. see. Yeah. I love what he said during the broadcast of the Gillers. Oh, I uh, didn't hear that. He said um, something like, uh, this book has... This is paraphrasing, obviously. He, uh, he said, this book has uh, cannibalism and incest and marauding pirates... Uh, just kidding. There are no pirates. <laughs> so it, it was a clever way of him acknowledging some pretty controversial yes, things that yeah. happened in that novel. But yeah, I, I got so far into that novel, I was like, I've got a brother and sister mm-hmm. approaching puberty in a cove where there's no other humans around. Is this going to go in an incesty direction? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, I guess, inevitable. Yeah, mm-hmm. You could really set up that scenario and not go there, or at least explore it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I also have picked up, uh, while well, I'm about three quarters of the way through, um, Duck's Newburyport, that giant brick of a book by Lucy Ellman. Oh, okay. I it don't was, I don't even know about this one. Um, I think it was on the Booker shortlist. It's like a thousand pages. Oh, wow. And it's all essentially all one sentence and lisa told really? me yeah lisa told me to read it uh-huh and she's like oh my gosh i'm reading this book right now like you've got to start reading it and so anything she suggests i'm like all right sure i'll give it a go uh-huh and i ordered it and then it arrives and it's like uh. a brick i'm like oh my gosh what have i gotten into um but i'm like surprisingly into it yeah but i feel like i have to read it in like huge sitting so I have to like set aside at least a couple of hours yeah. in order to really get into like the rhythm of it uh-huh. um, but uh, it's about like a, an Ohio housewife um, who makes pies and it's basically just like stream of consciousness everything that's going on in her head in oh, her life okay. so like you don't really know where she is all uh-huh. the time until she says something that gives you a, a clue of like, mm-hmm. okay, she's baking or like she's at the mall with her kids. Yeah. Or so it's really, it's bizarre, but I'm really enjoying it. It sounds really interesting, but also yeah. like something that would require like a lot of sustained attention from the reader. <laughs> yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Not, not a casual read. No, you no. have to be paying attention for sure. Yeah. It's so long too. Oh, what an it investment. Is so long. I know. <laughs> I know. I think I start. I haven't picked it up again in a couple weeks because um, I couldn't 
take it away with me. I was like, there is no way yeah. I can carry this all the way to London. Oh, um, for sure. So it had to wait, and I haven't picked it up again since I've come back. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, the thousand pages doesn't put me off because I do read a lot of long, you know, very chunky long books. But yeah. the, the all one sentence part I probably know. puts me yeah. off more. Or the whole stream. Are, well, I, I kind of yeah. struggle with stream of consciousness stuff sometimes. Yeah, so. me too. Um, there are like breaks where um, it, and I don't know how these two parts of it connect yet. So like you're mostly with um, this Ohio housewife, mm-hmm. and then. But then there's parts where that are about a mountain lion and her, okay. and her cubs. <laughs> randomly? Yes, just okay, randomly. Yeah. Somehow they're going to connect, I know, but I yeah. haven't figured it out yet. Um, so, yeah, there'll be like a page or so mm-hmm. break where it's just about this mountain, mountain lion and her cubs and what they're doing. Wow. to hunt or like... <laughs> Yeah, uh, whatever, in the woods, um, climbing trees. And, yeah, it's really strange. And then you go back to the stream of consciousness again. So Uh there are, like, sentences, but um, it's, yeah, it's a strange one. That's for sure. Well, it definitely sounds interesting. Yes. (laughs) But, yeah, I can see how Lisa said you should read it. Like, there are certain people whose judgment on books I trust so much that if someone says, you know, you should read this, then I'd be like, yeah, I'll definitely give it a try. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Looking back over, I guess, like the books of your life or whatever, are there books that have had a big influence on you? Or you'd say kind of like these are the books that have, you know, shaped me either as a reader or as a person? I know you have a good answer for this one. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like I might be able to answer that question for you. (laughs) What do you think of it? No, I'm just thinking about Virginia Woolf. (laughs) That was one on the list, yeah. Yeah. Another one, too. (laughs) Okay. You answer it. i got to think about this one. Okay. 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 I was going to say, yeah, a Woolf novel, but um, I had another one, too. um, A Complicated Kindness by Miriam Tate. Oh, yes. Which I read in high school. I had a really great high school English teacher who, um, for like our final book report project, um, he only let us pick Canadian novels. Oh, really? He set out, and like, I can't remember if he told us they were Canadian. Yeah, he must have. Um, But yeah, we only could choose from this selection of Canadian novels. Mm Um, and I was sick the day when everyone picked. So when I came back the next day, this novel by Miriam Taves was the only one left. Oh, really? Yeah. And I don't know why nobody else picked it. Um, but yeah, so I think that was like the first book that I recognized as being Canadian. Like Mm -hmm. I'd never really thought about Canadian like literature as a thing until I read that. And then that just kind of like jump started Mm -hmm. everything, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have one, Elizabeth? Maybe related to what you're saying, Mm -hmm. I also, like in my lower level university classes, like I had yet to take a Canadian lit course. And the books that they get you to read in high school that are Canadian aren't, you know, they're on the curriculum for a reason, but I don't remember really connecting with them. And maybe it's because I didn't want to, I don't know. I haven't really reflected on that, (laughs) but, uh, I, I didn't really like think I liked Canadian literature. And I think that that's something like, you know, this is probably another topic, but like as Newfoundlanders, like, especially as young Newfoundlanders, you're like, like almost ashamed in a way of where you're from, like fiercely proud, but also like a little bit apologetic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I was like, oh, like, oh no, I like I don't really like Canadian literature. Like, mm. 
think like American literature better. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even like know what I was talking about. But anyway, so I did a Canadian literature course with Joel Deshay, who ended up being my supervisor for my honors and my masters. Uh-huh. So he he had a big influence on me for oh, sure. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and in that course, I read a whole bunch of Canadian literature that I really connected with mm-hmm. and realized like, oh, being Canadian, being a Newfoundlander is a special thing that you should be proud of. Yeah. And so anyway, all that to say that Michael Andace has definitely had a huge influence on me. I wrote uh-huh. both my honors thesis and my master's essay really? on works by Michael Andace. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, Anil's Ghost, uh, that novel, I wrote my honors thesis on that one and uh, like how he represented tactile art mm-hmm. in his novel, so like sculptures and carvings right, and finger right. painting and stuff like that uh-huh. uh, in that novel. And so that kind of helped me realize that I had more of an interest in visual art than I really knew about. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then in my master's, I went up to the University of Guelph and looked at uh, these plays that he wrote. Mm-hmm. They were all adaptions of his novels, but and oh, wow. none of them published well that's a lie one of them was published in a collection but uh anyway his uh his plays weren't very like critically successful okay uh like one of them toured a lot the billy the kid Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. the play version of that had had a lot of productions but um like wasn't well received critically a lot of the time yeah so i wrote my master's essay about uh basically about our expectations of theater and how oh. Michael Andachi didn't really fit the bill because he is a little wordy and poetic and oh, theater people want to see things. That is interesting that yeah. someone would be so highly acclaimed as a oh, fiction yeah. writer and not be I mean this is obviously very much on my mind as a fiction writer uh-huh. who is trying to learn to write for stage Yeah, uh, you know that that it is a, a really different skill set and being good at one doesn't necessarily make yeah. you good at the other. Yeah. A- and but it's interesting because, like, our idea of, like, what is a good play, yeah. being good at writing plays, it's, uh, you know, uh, it, maybe it is a good play. It's just not the plays that we're used to yeah. listening to, watching, yeah. experiencing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but he started writing plays before he started writing fiction. Oh, really? Yeah. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. He wrote poetry and then he started working on his first draft of Billy the Kid, if I'm remembering correctly uh-huh. but yeah so uh you know obviously Michael Andachi has been a big influence on me but definitely the person I go back to when I think about like not thinking that I liked Canadian literature and then mm-hmm. reading his work and being yeah. like for sure the best I love it yeah. <laughs> so now Olivia with you I want to kind of this wasn't in the questions but I want to kind of go back to the Virginia Woolf thing okay because I was following your your pictures from your trip to England yes. and it seemed like a little bit of a Virginia Woolf pilgrimage yes, was it it was so yeah. t- tell us a little bit about that uh, well, I think uh, the first novel that I read by her was in my second year of undergrad mm-hmm. I did like a British lit um, course and uh, it was to the lighthouse okay. and for some reason uh, like most of the other people in the class didn't like that novel. Mm-hmm. Like there was other um, books that we read. Um, I think we read Ulysses, and I think we read um, Return of the Soldier, Rebecca West, um, and a few others. And 
yeah, but to the lighthouse, nobody else could really, like, get into. And I was yeah. like, no, this is the best. <laughs> like, you don't understand. And I didn't understand it either at the time. But I don't know. There was something. You connected with it in some yeah, way. Yeah, there was something about, like, how she writes, the rhythm of it that, um, yeah, really kind of woke me up, I guess, to, um, I don't know, to a new way of reading and mm-hmm. a new way of writing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so since then, I've kind of wanted, always wanted to go um, see where she lived uh-huh. and uh, explore London. And my friend who I went with, we were supposed to go in between, well, once we graduated undergrad, it was uh-huh. going to be like our graduation yeah. present. Um, but then I was poor and had <laughs> student loan debt and like just couldn't do it. Um, so then when I started my master's, she was like, okay, when you graduate from this degree, like we are going, <laughs> Finally, you yeah, have to we're going to go. Yeah. And like, we didn't really talk about it much. And then just out of the blue one day she messaged me and she was like, okay, um, like we're, I booked concert tickets for us. Like I got a really good deal uh-huh. for concert tickets, um, for the Lumineers. So we're going to go see them. P.S. It's in London. So <laughs> oh, that's great. book a ticket to London. Like we're going. That's awesome. So that was her way of like. Yeah, getting me over there, um, which worked out really well because we mm-hmm. went. And uh, but I knew going into it that um, so Monk's house where she uh, lived um, isn't open during like the winter, so they mm-hmm. close because it's a national trust um, property. So they do like restoration and stuff during the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't able to go in there, but I got to just go. Um, to the little village and right, kind of yeah. walk around and see the house from the outside and see the gardens and stuff. Um, and there was actually like a public garden, like allotments, so mm-hmm. like a community garden um, in behind their garden. So like okay. I was kind of able to go into this like public garden. And so sort of like and look over the yeah, fence. And yeah, see. <laughs> and it was kind of like a low like stone fence. So mm-hmm. you could see like the whole back of the house and stuff. Uh, which was really neat because she's buried there, actually. Her ashes are there. Um, And her husband, um, Leonard Wolf, his ashes are there, too, I think. Mm. Um, Yeah, there's a bust of each of them at the end of the um, garden wall. Mm -hmm. And, yes, and I'm already, like, planning my trip to go back to be able to, like, actually get inside the house so that I can see. Um, but I was able to see inside um, Charleston Farmhouse, which was her sister, Vanessa mm-hmm. Bell, um, her house for a little while. And it's just stunning. Like, yeah. I'm so glad that I got to go there because they, um, Vanessa Bell was a visual artist. And even though they just rented the farmhouse, they literally painted everything. Mm-hmm. Like, she designed the <laughs> wallpaper and just, like, painted it direct on the oh, walls. Oh, wow. She was like, yeah, yeah. whatever. <laughs> I'm just going to paint yeah. everything. And so, like, they painted the furniture, like, the tables, the mantles. And all that is preserved? Yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So I think there was a time when they, it was a little bit up in the air mm-hmm. if it was going to be um, preserved or not. Because, like, it, they never owned it. It was rented right up right, until yeah. um, Duncan Grant died which was only, I think, in the 70s or something. So it was pretty run down. Um, but then the people who owned it decided to restore everything instead mm-hmm. of get rid of it, which That's was great. awesome. Yeah. yeah, so now it's um, yeah, gorgeous spot awesome. to go visit. That's great. <laughs> and I, yeah, I loved it. It was a big, uh, big trip and already... 
planning the next one. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I love a good literary pilgrimage. I don't yeah. think I've ever done like, you know, trying to follow all the sites connected with one author. But anywhere yeah. I go, there are always like, you know, like going to Oscar Wilde's grave in Paris, which is, you know, yeah. so it was such a high point for yeah. me and things like that. It, it is yeah. definitely special to see in person. I, I think that's something that we maybe value more right now because we do so much on the internet yeah we're pretty yeah. isolated here in st john's yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. you know seeing things in person seeing people in person yeah i, I yeah. value those things a lot i went to um i was in on the west coast of the united states in september uh, on a literary pilgrimage with my partner it was really his oh, really? Uh, literary pilgrimage but he um is like the biggest john steinbeck fan oh, i've wow, ever met yeah. and so we went to monterey uh-huh. and salinas and like wow. he, he's not a crier and he did not cry but he we, we showed up at the museum and he was like <laughs> he was like jaw yeah. on the floor uh so, so and yeah. i took a picture of him in front of this big mural and he's just got his arms oh, out like this it's, it was adorable so but cute. um yeah, so that's an, another, actually, something I've been reading recently is I read Cannery Row, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. you know, we got we went down to Monterey and walked along there, and it's all very touristy now, yeah. that part, but uh, it was still really special, and California is just such a beautiful place. It really is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all the, like, lettuce, lettuce fields, like, driving into Salinas, mm. it was, like, just such a different landscape, and... Yeah. It's real beautiful here, but it's a different kind of beauty. Different kind there. of beauty, yeah. 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 And it's so neat to think about like that you're walking like where they were. Like yeah. I wandered around Bloomsbury and London yeah. a bit too. And uh, it's nice how they have like the blue plaques on mm-hmm. all the yes. houses. Yeah. So you can see like who mm-hmm. lived there. Um, and yeah, just thinking about like, okay, they maybe like saw these trees or like sat in this square or like yeah. walked along these yeah yeah in the the Steinbeck Museum there was like a, you know details about where in his house he sp- did most of his writing uh-huh. and then we walked down the road and looked at his house yeah. and yeah. so you could see like you know the top left window like he would sit there and look out the window and write oh, and he was wow. like look Evan isn't this cool and he was <laughs> like yeah oh, that's <laughs> so cool <laughs> that is really that is really awesome yeah Love a good literary pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, looking back, I guess, further into your literary past, are there books from, like, when you were a child or a teenager, you know, maybe before you started, I guess, thinking of yourself as an adult reader, are there ones that really stand out uh, in your memory? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. The Babysitter's Club series. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> I think I read every single one of those. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's so many. Yeah. I would like... <laughs> I, maybe... I, yeah. Maybe I haven't read every Although one, maybe, but it feels like Maybe it. there's more Nancy Drew than... There's a lot of both. I would go to the library and, like, take out a stack of ten Babysitter's Club books, slam them on the table, and then, like, bring them back a couple weeks later, put them back on the bookshelf, take the the next next ten. (laughs) Yeah, so they were, I mean, to have, like, you know, an ensemble cast of of so many girls, and, like, there was one babysitter that, everyone could identify with yeah you know yeah. and so i've actually recently talked to a group of friends about like oh i was a christy oh i was definitely a stacy <laughs> <laughs> like, those definitely influenced me a lot yeah. one book that uh like a young adult novel that i've been thinking about over the past few years and it, it wasn't all that popular i don't think it was just one that i ordered from the book order and i don't remember who wrote it but it was called how i survived being a girl 
Hmm. What a great title. It is. And it was about a girl and she had two older brothers and it was very much about her neighborhood and like how she didn't really want to be a girl because it seemed so much better to be a boy. you know, and, and then at the end of the book, it's like she's okay with being a girl because she can still do whatever she wants to do. Yeah. And, you know, it was it was very, uh, it, it, I think it influenced me a lot just, you know, in the themes. It's obviously yeah. relevant to my interests yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, also just the way that uh, the book was written because they she, the author provided a map in the oh, yeah. uh, beginning of the book. You know, oh, I think they do that in, like, Lord of the Rings, Yeah, too, it's, it's right? really common in fantasy yeah. books it's, and sometimes historical fiction if it's set in a really specific mm-hmm. place. It's unusual in just, like, contemporary or yeah, YA like fiction. Yeah, like YA fiction, yeah. And so it was, like, the neighborhood, and it was, like, an ex. Here's my house. Here's the neighbor's house. Here's where I take piano lessons. Oh, that's great. And I the whole that. book was basically her, like, navigating this neighborhood and, like, mm-hmm. that... It, when I tried to, when I did that novella course with yeah. Olivia and Lisa, I thought about that book a lot because I also was basing my novella in a neighborhood. Uh-huh. And so the way that the text or like the form of the book sort of follows, it's like following someone following a map. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I should go back and read that book. Yeah. Find out who it's by. Yeah. Like how I survived being a girl. I still remember the cover. It was like white and it had a cartoon of a girl in like an orange dress and she's really grumpy <laughs> with messed up hair. That's awesome. Those great. book orders were like the best. Oh, the best. scholastic yeah. book. Oh, oh yeah. My mom thing. is a teacher too uh-huh. and so I always had the inside scoop on the book order. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> they were the best. Oh my gosh. Um I read a lot of uh horse themed books. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, me and my friends uh, started uh, riding uh, when we were about eight. There was six of us who all mm-hmm. kind of started at the same time. And so we started reading, like, The Saddle Club, which is, like, the horse equivalent <laughs> of the Babysitter's Club. Um, and what else did we There's read? There's a whole series that my daughter had. When her horse phase was very brief, but they were yeah. all about girls who went to some kind of boarding academy where there was a lot of horse riding, and it was the... It was the name of the school was the, was the name of the books. And oh, okay. they, they all were very horse-centric. I don't know if they were, that, those would have been ones that you had. Maybe. We just read them all yeah, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were obsessed with um, the Thoroughbred series, mm-hmm. although we were devastated when we realized that um, the author, I think, is Joanna Campbell, but she only wrote, like, the first ten. Oh. And then it became, like, created by Joanna Campbell, but we didn't uh. realize that that didn't mean that she was no longer writing them. Uh-huh. So I think we were, like, 13 or 14 when we realized it. We were like, oh, my gosh, this is the worst. Mm. So then you would, like, <laughs> only read the first ten. We're like, so was, there, was there a real. noticeable drop-off in quality? I don't know. Probably. Just, just betrayed. Yeah, we just felt betrayed. <laughs> That's it. so funny. Yeah, but we were obsessed with those books. Like, we all wanted to be jockeys. So, like, if we weren't in... Uh, like a riding lesson if we were just kind of riding for fun mm-hmm. um, we would like roll our stirrups up so that they were like jockey stirrups oh yeah and then we would like ride around and pretend we were jockeys oh, and like race amazing. each other yeah. <laughs> but it's really hard to ride with your stirrups up that high in the saddle that like is not a racing saddle so uh-huh. we would like fling off all the time and, like, <laughs> and you did not actually outgrow your horse face no did you? no I still yeah <laughs> I still am 
very much yeah in the horse phase. So yeah, there, cool. there's a spinoff of Fifty Shades of Grey called Fifty Bales of Hay. Oh my <laughs> god! Would you be interested? In oh <laughs> I only read god. the first couple pages this summer. That's One hilarious. of my friends had a copy oh my of it. Goodness. It's interesting. <laughs> That's it's exactly what you'd expect. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. My favorite was the. the we were familiar with the Twitter account Fifty Shades of Grey. Some guy had an, I assume it was a guy, sort of the persona was a guy, had an <laughs> ongoing account uh, ca- called Fifty Sheds of Grey, and oh it was God. all um, basically double entendres about sheds and hardware and stuff. <laughs> my favorite one is, you know, the, she looked aghast as I opened the door. Welcome, I said, to the red room of paint. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so oh we just, we God. just painted our, our dining room wall dark red, and so I posted a picture on Instagram of my husband painting it like he welcomes me into his red room of paint. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else got the joke, but oh my this is Fifty Shades of Grey is just endlessly parodyable. Oh, so. yeah. And, well, it itself is fan fiction of yes, Twilight. Yeah, it began as yeah. Twilight fan fiction, yeah. It's incredible, the influence of Twilight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking so, of books that influenced yeah, my childhood. Yeah, were you into Twilight? Oh, yeah. Yeah? And looking back on it, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm Team Jacob. But, like, I think I was Team Edward, and I just couldn't <laughs> admit it to myself. <laughs> I was very it. obsessed with those books. Yeah. And they were probably the longest books I ever read, because mm-hmm. I was probably in, like, the seventh grade yeah. when I was reading them. And, like, the the last one, Breaking yeah, Dawn, like five, that's, five, a, that's, that's a, a big, chunky book. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember, like, I sort of raised my kids on Harry Potter and, mm-hmm. and Narnia and a lot of that stuff, but I was kind of, you know, with Twilight, I had the whole kind of feminist mom thing of, like, mm-hmm. this is not a very healthy relationship, so like, I didn't yeah. buy them for my daughter, and one day, my daughter's adorable, she's gonna kill me if she hears this, but uh, <laughs> she was always, like, confessing horrible crimes that were not at all horrible crimes, and she's like, Mom, she's probably 13. I need I need to tell you something, but I think you're going to be mad at me. And I was like, has she been shoplifting? Has she been smoking? I I borrowed Morgan's copy of Twilight, and I'm reading it. <laughs> it's like, well, that's the worst thing you have to confess. That's adorable. Yeah. I know. It's so like, no, like they may not be my favorite books, but we did talk a little bit about some yeah. of the unhealthy relationship dynamics. But you know, yeah, and but I they don't were you know, and, and sometimes I think now those books got too hard, <laughs> too bad of a rap. You know? Yeah, but I. I feel, I don't know, I think the first one was published in like 2006 or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that came out today, if it would be as successful. Yeah. Uh, I haven't gone back and read them, but like every now and then there's like a clickbait article that comes yeah. up and it's like, mm-hmm. best quotes from Twilight or worst <laughs> quotes from Twilight. Can you believe what was in Twilight? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely problematic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think the thing that stands out to me is the him sitting in her room watching her sleep. Yes. Very non-consensual mm-hmm. thing. Which is, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some weird stuff in no, there. I will admit I never had the Twilight. You didn't go through the phase. Twilight phase. I had no. the posters oh, and yeah. the board game. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I got like halfway through the first book, I think. One of my friends was like, you got to read this. I was like, mm, no, 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 not really me. my thing. <laughs> you didn't but miss out on it. I tried. <laughs> that kind of segues into the if you could live in the world of a book question, like is there, mm. is there a book or series of books, you know, whether whether from childhood or now, that you're like, I would love to transport myself to to the world of that book. Maybe Harry Potter, just to be a witch and live at Hogwarts, <laughs> but like, 
a lot of bad stuff happens at Hogwarts, so like <laughs> yeah. maybe not. <laughs> maybe just for like the first two movies, and then like yeah, after <laughs> things get, start getting really yeah, bad, get let's the get rest out. of it. Yeah. Maybe even the first three, but then yeah, in Goblet of Fire, no, probably I would <laughs> yeah. transfer to another school. Yeah. So like my chill Muggle life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't really think of a good answer for that question actually, because I think. There are a lot of fantasy novels, you know, yeah. that is, the worlds are so different from ours mm-hmm. that, but I'm not a, a big fantasy reader, to yeah. be honest, and so I can't really think of anything that... Yeah, I feel like when I ask this question, when I do ask it, you know, a lot of people, if they are fantasy readers, mm-hmm. will like they this various fantasy world, but then, like, fantasy is always premised on something horrible is oh, happening yes. in this world, yes. so, you know, I would like to go to Hogwarts during a couple of years when nothing is happening, yeah. particularly. Maybe just for Christmas. Yeah, and I also like, I mean, I love, I read a lot of historical fiction, mm-hmm. so I always think of, you know, I'd like to go to the time of this or that, but but only if I could definitely get a return ticket to the 20th, 21st century, where, yeah. you know, yes. we have indoor plumbing and things. Yeah, and be yeah. able to shower yeah, a couple days. Shower yeah. regularly. <laughs> There yeah. is this, uh, this is another young adult novel called The Thief Lord. Yes, oh my yeah. gosh. Do you yeah. remember that, that one? In Venice, I yes. think. Yes. Yeah. So I've always wanted to go to Venice. I'm waiting until I have more money. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I will go there one day. So literally, Venice is sinking. So yes. Yeah, you so I actually should probably that, yeah. put that higher on the priorities list. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah. that book, it was a bunch of kids living in like an old abandoned vi- cinema, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and they were thieves basically like yeah. petty thieves mm-hmm. uh, just to survive yes yeah. which you know is obviously a very terrible life but I remember like wishing I was one of them because <laughs> it seemed so fun yeah. and they like go and stake out this rich person's house but yeah. then they go to this other world right at the end of the book it's like there's like this fountain of youth am I remembering that right or are you mixing it up with another book? That's uh, possible remember. I didn't read this so they, I can't remember my friend Robin um she still to this day says that that's her favorite book and she's only read it once. She, she, read she it no, she will not read it again. She's like, <laughs> I love that like version of like who I was when I read that. Oh like, yeah, she just she doesn't want to spoil it. No, she's like, I don't want to spoil it by rereading it and like remembering it differently. She's like, I love the way that I remember it and I want it to stay that way. That's so. noble. That yeah. is noble. <laughs> yeah. So like it's still yeah her favorite uh, her favorite book. Yeah. But. Okay. Well, that makes me feel better that I wanted to be a little thief yeah. in, yeah. in Venice. Yeah. <laughs> Fairly other people yeah. did too. Yeah. I don't know if they went into another world, but. I, cool. I think they did at the end. I think there was some like m- uh, like f- uh, not Ferris wheel. Uh, not what are they called? Uh, it, carousel. carousel. Yes. Oh, maybe. There was yeah. one of those. <sighs> okay, I got to Podcast listeners will not be able to no. see it. Let's make it round and round in a circle while I'm we all so try to remember the word carousel. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, when I tell oh, stories, dear. I'm bad for like acting them out. Yeah, yeah. And so that's not not good for a podcast <laughs> format. I'm here jumping around Imagine, and yes, listeners yes. can't see Imagine any of that. All the actions. <laughs> are you are 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 any of you big rereaders? Are there books that you tend to read over and over? Yeah, I'm a big rereader. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I uh, try to kind of have a balance because there's so many new books that are coming out that I'm like, oh my gosh, I must read this. But mm-hmm. um at like certain times of the year, I like to reread. Oh, really? Books? Yeah. yeah, I'm kind of a seasonal reader, which is strange. Like, uh-huh. um, some people I've told like that I'll only read like summer books in the summer okay. and like winter books in the winter. Uh-huh. And so, if like a book is set in the summer 
and I buy it in the winter, I can't You'll read it again until the summer because okay. I have to. <laughs> so what are um, some of your, your seasonal rereads? Uh, so in to? the fall, I always read uh, reread The Secret History um, by oh, Donna yeah. Tartt. Yeah. Um, just because it seems like a fall, it's like a campus mm-hmm. novel. Yeah. Um, although I think it spans an entire year, but mm-hmm. it just the mood of it always seems like fall to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the spring, I usually read um, this nonfiction um, book called um, To the River by Olivia Lang, mm-hmm. um, which is um, about her, she takes like a, kind of a vacation, not really, um, where she walks the entire length of the River Ouse in, oh, okay. uh, in Sussex, um, which is where Virginia Woolf um, drowned herself in 1941. Um, and Olivia Lang also is a big, um, avid reader of Virginia Woolf. And so she wanted to kind of do this kind of pilgrimage of sorts also mm-hmm. and go the entire length of the river and go to all the little um, towns and villages along the way. Um, yeah, and that's a really, there's a lot in that book. So every, uh, time I read it, I like find something new to go look up or like one of her references, like makes more sense. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, that's another one I read. Um, sometimes in the winter I'll read Harry Potter. Yeah. If I just want a little like. Comfort reading? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Something fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I can think of right now. Do you have any favorite rereads or books you've gone back to again and again? I don't think that I uh, like go back to books year after year like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I definitely was more of a rereader uh, as a kid or a mm-hmm. teenager. I like yeah. thinking about it now. I don't think I've reread a book uh, besides for school mm-hmm. uh, in like in recent years at all but as a teenager I remember like I read The Thief Lord probably 10 times Mm -hmm. like but just I would read it over and over and you know this is a little uh maybe sacrilegious to a lot of people (laughs) but I like to like know what happens in books and movies before I read them so do you read the last page first I do (laughs) no I won't always read the whole last page but I'll always read the last sentence really because I just like knowing like (laughs) That there's that like, is very that's a very controversial. Yeah, I know, I know, and I'm like it's tentative okay. to say it on this <laughs> podcast because people are gonna like it's all angry right. at if me. It, if it makes your reading experience better, it's all yeah. right. You're allowed to. And I think it might have something to do with the fact that I get very invested in books, as mm-hmm. I'm sure you both can relate, yeah, yeah. and uh, like emotionally invested. Yeah. Like usually when I pick something up, I'm finishing it within a couple days, mm-hmm. unless it's like a thousand page long yeah. stream of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so I think it brings me some kind of comfort to like have some sense of where it's going, yeah. because yeah. it's like anxiety and inducing to oh, not yeah, know anything yeah. no it's i i totally like i used to do that when mm-hmm. i was much younger and i broke myself of it in university and now i will not like i'll even sometimes cover the last yeah. page if it's very suspenseful but i was recently reading 
uh, Marina Endicott's new novel, The Difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And midway through it, I was so invested in the characters, and there were so many awful things that could happen to them mm -hmm. that I was actually stressed. Like, I <laughs> wanted to finish the book because I was loving reading it, but yeah. I was also so afraid that if I read on, one of these people I had come to really care about was going to die horribly. Oh, no. So, yeah, I, I definitely get that impulse, even yeah. though I don't do it myself anymore. Mm -hmm. But I, I totally see where it comes from. Yeah, so I think related to that, the reason why I like rereading things so much is because I know everything that's going to happen. Yes. Yes. And yeah, so yeah. you can kind of enjoy it more. There's no stress yeah, of what's exactly. going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of the same thing as like watching a TV series over or watching a movie over. Mm -hmm. You pick up on things yeah. that you missed. Yeah. And you're not, you're not reading or watching just for plot because mm -hmm. you already know the plot so you can enjoy, you know, setting and, and character it, development. And, yeah, yeah, and even like... Yeah. It, there are lots of little Easter eggs and things, and like the way that things are revealed, you can't pick up on them until you know the ending. And so, yeah. on a reread, you'll be like, Oh, that's why they're talking about a swimming pool. Yes, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? Um, little novella um who will run the frog hospital by yes Laurie i Moore. still do you still have it oh my god it. <laughs> no i'm so sorry it's lisa's book it's that's only <laughs> I uh, um, I will bring that back. Okay, yeah, I am. Lisa, if you're listening, Elizabeth's gonna return. Yeah, yes, I, I. It's safe. <laughs> it's safe. <laughs> I will for. also return the like probably five books that I have of yours. I returned a bunch of plays <laughs> to Robert Chafe oh. recently that he let me borrow while I was in his class like yes. six months ago, and I brought them back to his office, and he was like. I had forgotten about these. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so sorry. I actually lost one of Robert's plays when we were doing this class. I had oh, taken no. one with me to read when I was gone, going to Nova Scotia. And then when I came back, it wasn't in my luggage. And I emailed the Airbnb people. was like, did I leave a book there? No, no. So I still have to this day no idea what happened to it. But oh, I ordered another copy of the book. What one was it? Them. You know what? I can't even remember now. Can't even remember. I guess I never yeah. did actually read it. I brought it up intending to read it in oh, Nova dear. Scotia. I didn't. And then when I got back, I was like, well, that's gone. Yeah, that's his only thing. He's like, don't He's, give it back to me until you read it. Yeah, yeah. And it's okay if you're late giving it back to me, but, but make sure you read, read it. it. I, read, I read some great plays because of that class. And uh -huh. reading plays was not a thing that had ever occurred to mm -hmm. me before, you know, to, except for like, Shakespeare and any you have yeah. to read in the process of getting an English degree but you know I would never sit down with the script of a play and read it well unfortunately uh, a lot of the times they're not available yeah, uh, yeah. you know you could buy a copy of it like I don't even remember like the name of the company that like holds all the scripts ever yeah. but sometimes you've got to like buy them in bulk or like pay royalties even if you're not like even planning on doing the play you can't get it unless you go read, through that yeah, process because yeah. they're not p often published in the same way unless it's something that gets really popular like Fleabag yeah, uh, yeah. the drama section at chapters is dismal dismal it's exactly <laughs> what I was just going to say <laughs> I don't it, think I've ever even looked at the drama it section it is oh, see now we're on a podcast and I can't show you <laughs> I'm holding, holding my hands about a Des foot apart <laughs> described video alright <laughs> yeah <laughs> So it's so few, and it's got all of the, you know, it's Shakespeare is, like, included in that. Oh, and wow. it's got, like, Death of a Salesman and, like, a couple Tennessee Williams plays. Mm -hmm. And then, like, one Robert Chafe. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes one of Meg Cole's plays are there. Yeah. But um, I bought their copy of Fleabag, and I was at Chapters this afternoon and noticed that they had two more back, huh. which is 
rare yeah. for chapters. So I feel like because it's such a popular TV show now, yeah, that people, so people are probably are looking it for it. For sure, yeah. Yeah. But reading plays is a different, a very different experience than watching them. It must be, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, because I found it strange. Like I was trying to picture in my head what would this look like if I was, yeah. Well, it's definitely the best way. I talk like I know anything. I do not. <laughs> you know things. You know things. Own it. You're an actor. You know. You are. I know very few things, but I think, and it does make sense, that reading plays is a great way to get into playwriting. Because yes. even if you've seen a lot of plays, you don't necessarily know how they look on the page. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, luckily, I, I found uh, getting into playwriting to be sort of natural because I have been acting for a little while. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I'm used to seeing what they look like and, yeah, yeah. you know, how stage directions are in there. And, mm-hmm. uh, but if you were just, you know, picking up playwriting from, you like writing from another genre, you yeah. might think like, okay, this is what I see. But yeah, how does, how does it translate it onto the page? Yeah, and that was a huge mental block for me mm-hmm. for a really long time, really until I took Robert's class, yeah. just to, to get past thinking about that. Are there books, and it doesn't have to be like, is there one book, but like, are there books that you really like to recommend to other people that you either always loan or give to people or recommend, or that you wish you could get other people to read? Um, my One of my housemates, uh, when she wants something to read, she always just kind of peeks her head into my room, just like, read anything lately? <laughs> I'm like, what do you feel like? <laughs> I've got a list for you. Um, so I lent her um, the, uh, it's called The Idiot by Elif Bataman. Okay. Um, she's a Turkish uh, writer, mm-hmm. Turkish-American writer, I think. Um, and it's hilarious. Like, it's the most dry, witty book that I've ever read. It's another campus novel, and I just love the voice of the narrator. She's hilarious, but also, like, socially awkward mm-hmm. uh, in, like, the best possible way. Like, everything <laughs> is, like, a little bit confusing. Um, and it's set in 1995, I think, uh, during her first year of university. Um, and it just follows the, like, entire, her entire first year. And I just love it. So I recommend that to everybody who wants something kind of quirky uh-huh. um, to read. And then there's another little... Um, novella called The Convenience Store Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down the author's name because uh, she's a Japanese author. Um, Sayaka Murata. Okay. Um, so it's just set in a little Japanese convenience store uh-huh. and the main character works at the convenience store and loves it. It's like her entire life. And everybody keeps telling her, like, you're better than this convenience store. Like, you need to work somewhere different. Like, this is just... And she just tells them to all, like, bugger off, basically, because <laughs> she loves the convenience store. And, yeah. like, that's where she wants to work. And it's just a really cute little, um, yeah, kind of lighthearted um, novella. There is, like, something that happens towards the end. It's probably only about 120 pages. Um, but... Yeah, I've been recommending that to people. Oh, yeah, that's the like one I would like to read. Yeah, yeah. me too. I was just thinking. It's you know, cute. Yeah, I think, <laughs> sounds good. I think I just lent it to a friend, but when I get it back, I can lend it out. How about you, Elizabeth? Are there, are there books that you like to recommend to people or you wish you could get people to read? Yeah, I guess. I, I find I have people ask me often, 
uh, about recommendations on poetry, okay. uh, which is mm-hmm. odd because I'm not a poet, and mm-hmm. I mean I've read a lot of poetry, but. I, you know, I don't pick it up for fun as often as I do other genres. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess when people, you know, just friends in general know you have an English degree, yeah, then yeah, they're yeah. like, uh, you know, uh, poetry feels know inaccessible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm sure you guys have experienced this, but like, wait, you haven't read this? Yeah. You, uh, but you have an English degree. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't read every book in the no, world. No, I'm no, sorry. It's impossible. We can try. So one thing that I recommend, because I have a lot of people say to me uh, that poetry feels inaccessible to them, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they like the idea of it, but they wouldn't even know where to start. Right. Uh, and so one book of poetry that I really like is uh, Phyllis Webb's, I think it's The Vision Tree, or maybe mm-hmm. just Vision Tree. Okay. Uh, and like really short poems that... Uh, I that that was maybe like the first collection of poetry mm-hmm. that I finished it and I was like this made sense to me. Mm. I feel emotionally affected but not confused. <laughs> and so I often recommend that uh that book to people because she was a Canadian, which is great. Uh-huh. And uh yeah, I guess like just relatable themes and you know, fairly easy to understand, which is I think that people just get really scared of poetry yeah. because they're like looking for a point when there's not always a point. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. the whole experience of having had to analyze poems in yes. school, and I say yes. this as an English teacher, mm-hmm. you know, I feel bad about this. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it really kills a lot of people's yeah. potential love for poetry or potential even interest in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They always feel like there's a hidden meaning that they must be missing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think that people are often looking for uh like they've got a set of keys and they're like there's a lock and one of these keys must Must fit it yes yes yes. (laughs) and uh i taught for one semester like that first university english course at the college of the north atlantic and Uh we did this poem called intro to poetry or introduction to poetry uh i can't remember who wrote it now uh american guy billy someone Uh anyway it's basically like you know poetry can be whatever you want it's like skating on ice and like waving at the author on shore like it doesn't matter what they intended or like you can think about that if you want or you can make something up for yourself whatever you want is okay (laughs) and that's what I tried to convince people it's not a scary thing if you've got some kind of like life experience that you're bringing to the poem that is interesting and worth talking about Yeah. yeah so all that to say, Phyllis Webb's The Vision Tree, okay. great place to start, is what I usually tell people. Yeah, that's terrific. Um, the last question I always ask, because I'm keeping my eye on the time, is, is there any book you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to? Uh, oh, well, on the poetry topic, I also don't read a whole lot of poetry, but um, one of my good friends is a beautiful poet, so whenever I want something in that area I just ask her mm-hmm. and she loves um, Sue Goyette who's also Canadian she's from Halifax she came to Sparks last year I think mm-hmm. um, and her collection Ocean is just incredible I was looking at one of her books at Broken Books yesterday yes. it was published by Gasparo, Gasparo yeah. and they make such beautiful books yeah, I love just do. touching yeah. them yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I 
can't remember now, but it's like bright pink cover with a bear on the front, and it's something about yes, a, a girl. Yeah, um, it's like a. I was very oh, attracted I'll, to I'll it. I'll look it up and we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, that's a tricky one. Yeah. It's have you read it? I have, yeah. yeah. It's about like a little girl who was murdered, I think. Yes. And she, um, I think the poems are like in her voice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a tricky, yeah, that's a tricky one. Hmm. But, um, but Sue Grant is incredible. Mm-hmm. And um, Elizabeth Bishop is also amazing. Um, she's from Nova Scotia. Um, I can't remember. She had like a quite a large collection um, of work because she's uh, passed away now. But um, yeah, she's another one that's kind of really accessible because you just mm-hmm. like her poems are very straightforward isn't really the right word but um like you understand what's happening <laughs> like there's not really any tricks or anything it's just like kind of um yeah what you see um yeah she's another mm-hmm. incredible one um what else oh i love um patty smith oh yeah her uh, i think her most recent one is uh you're the monkey just came out uh-huh. um a couple months ago and just like her voice and the way she writes and how it seems like it almost feels like she just wrote it down and like you're reading it almost immediately like after she wrote it. Oh wow. So like, like present. Very yeah. yeah, like she just writes while she's like drinking coffee at a cafe or whatever and what else did she write? Um, just kids. Yeah, and that's the one that I, I haven't read it, but I've picked it up and yeah, looked at it. That's yeah. And um, M Train. Um, I think those are the three like major. Yeah, ones. I I know her name, and maybe it's because I've maybe heard you talk about her before, but those titles don't sound familiar to me. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's like a um, singer too, like uh-huh. a rock musician. Okay. Maybe. Which I think she was better known for that before. Okay, maybe before yeah. these yeah. books. Yeah. 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 She kind of like well, she. Um, She's a poet as well, mm-hmm. um, and like in the seventies, started writing poetry, and then someone said like you should put this to music type thing. Mm-hmm. So then she just kind of started like yeah. singing her poetry, but like rock and roll mm-hmm. poetry. So it's it. yeah, she's <laughs> wicked. Um, she's a really cool, really cool person. I m- maybe a book that we haven't talked about that I wanted to bring up is our friend Terry Doyle's new short story collection Dig. Yeah. So good. So good and I'm just like proud of him. I know. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've only recorded a couple of podcasts with people since that book came out and I think this is the second time. Mm -hmm. It's been like everybody's loving it. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Terry is such a good writer and his he writing really is, is so yeah. honest and raw and I really yeah. really loved his short story collection mm-hmm. yeah 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 I feel like we were very lucky to hear some of them um yeah read yeah aloud to us because we're in a writing group with Terry oh are you and okay. yeah so before yeah. the book was published he brought a couple of the stories 
to the group and he's like oh this one's a little bit long like I don't know if I want to read it and we're like read the whole thing like read it all it's so funny here all night Terry I think he said before that he you know doesn't always feel totally confident in his like reading ability but he has such a great reading voice too and so you know I love his writing and I love hearing him read his work so it's Mm -hmm. nice to be in a writing group with him but I think that some of the stories that are in the collection we had heard like last year maybe even Uh the year before uh and they changed a little bit. And yeah. I, I think that m- maybe that has been the first time that I've like heard drafts of something that was later published. I, yeah. I can't think of any yes. other time mm-hmm. where. I, yeah, it's an interesting process to watch unfold mm-hmm. if you're you know, a critique partner or in a writing group yeah. with someone to see you know, the process and then the finished product. Yeah. Has yeah. Terry been on this podcast? He has, okay. yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was a great guest. Yeah. He was wonderful. We, yeah. Um, we were talking, who was he on with now? I'm getting my podcast mixed up. I feel like him <laughs> and Susie Taylor were on together. Okay. Yes. And we so. talked about how um, we don't uh, like anything bad to happen to animals in, in our stories. And then yes. and the stories we read, and then Terry was like, and then I have the story where somebody wants to kill his dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there should be, um, isn't there a website that you can go on? For movies, does the dog die? Yes. Yeah, yeah. There should be like the book equivalent. <laughs> yeah, the book version <laughs> of Books it. should be on there too. <laughs> yeah. Always read the last page well, of the book. Yeah, that's, that's the solution. You'll know for sure if you read the last page. Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, thank you very much. This has been great. As Thank always, you, I'm going to post a list on the show notes of all the books we talked about with the proper author's names and titles, yes. even if we couldn't remember them, because you often can't just mm-hmm. in the moment. Yeah. Uh, but this has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it, and thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you so much. Well, that wraps up another episode of Shelf Esteem. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Elizabeth Hicks and Olivia Robinson just as much as the three of us enjoyed it. As always, if you want to check out the titles of any of the books that we talked about in the podcast, Go to my website, TrudyMortonCole.com, click on the Shelf Esteem link, and it'll take you to the show notes where all those books will be listed. I'm planning to keep with my New Year's resolution of one new podcast every month, so I'll be back in February with another couple of great guests, once again, talking about the books we love and have strong opinions about. Until then, you read a good book and build your shelf esteem.